the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Um, toward the end of 2023, Governor Mike DeWine slapped a veto incomprehensibly and indefensibly on the SAFE Act, saving adolescents from experimentation, which encompassed also the Saving Women's Sports Act or the Save Women's Sports Act. This was the um, reaction of Ohio State Representative Josh Williams, quote, at Governor Mike DeWine's veto of HB 68 is a grave mistake. Out of a desire to be compassionate, he has imperiled children. We were elected to lead, not cower from the woke mob. I will fight tooth and nail when we come back to session to override the governor's veto and put the safety of Ohio's children first. That's a strong statement. I liked it. Some people didn't. Some suggested that it was pretty good in its messaging, but but maybe questioned the assessment of Governor DeWine's compassion. I thought it might be good to ask uh, uh, Representative Williams himself exactly what he thinks of that and exactly what it's going to take to get an override done, and he is kind enough to join us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Representative Williams, good to have you back. How are you good, sir? I'm good. How are you doing, Bob? Doing well. Thanks very much. I always appreciate the chance to talk to you. You're one of my favorite members of uh, the Ohio House. You've been since you got in, and I'm uh, very glad to have you aboard. So let's start um, with that part of this. I was reading some of the responses to your tweet after the governor's veto this past Friday, and they're saying, you know, you're right to oppose this. You're right to try to override this, but I think you're wrong when you're saying he did this out of a desire to be compassionate. Tell me why you think he was being compassionate and not just being, quite frankly, the evil of what I believe from what I learned during COVID, uh, governor for him uh, that he really is. Well, I didn't want to assume his intentions, right? There's been reports about him receiving campaign donations from the hospitals here in the state of Ohio. Yeah. Whether or not these were rooted in, you know, rhino motives, I didn't want to assume his intention. So it seemed as though the message he was giving was about compassion towards these tough decisions that parents have to make. But for me, it was it was a bigger issue that I didn't put in my tweet, and that this was a clear attempt by the the governor's office to try to pull legislative power away from the state house and place it in his administrative agencies. And I directly refute any effort by the governor to try to do that. Okay. Now that's an interesting development. Um, that I, that's something I had not considered yet. Let's start first though, on the merits of his argument. If there are any merits of his argument, one of the most important things that I heard in his argument is that um, he believes that it's wrong for the legislature, you guys, to put more power in the hands of government than in the hands of the two parents, who, of course, are the two people who love the children the most, to take the power away from the parents and their medical providers to make these decisions and put it in the hands of the government is wrong. How do you respond to that part? I say it's a cop-out. And the reason it's a cop-out, he can't stand behind that statement because as soon as he said that statement, and he wrapped up his veto. He then said, well, the government shouldn't be in that decision-making. It's for the two people that love the child the most. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go to my administrative agency and tell them to direct hospitals and medical providers that they can't provide surgeries for minors, you know, children under the age of 18. 
So either you want the government in the decision or you don't want the government in the decision. You can't have your cake and eat it too, Governor DeWine. So it wasn't an idea that he, he didn't want government. He just didn't want the legislative branch dictating it. Instead, like COVID, he wanted the executive branch to have unilateral authority to decide what needs to be done. And uh, I'm sorry, but the lawmaking authority rests in the state legislature solely. So when it, when it comes to the issue, though, of, of you know, adolescents um, who are not old enough to make decisions on things like contracts, uh, to whether or not they can buy or drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, join the military, and all these other things before they're 18 or 21 in some cases, when it comes to them being able to decide to take life-altering drugs, uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and so forth in preparation for these surgeries, um, whether it be legislative or executive, should the government have the role in that over the parents and the doctors? Uh, the, the simple answer is yes. And we've said that time and time again as the legislature. Now, I'll give you an example. In two, April 5th of 2019, uh, Ohio Revised Code 2903.32 became law, and that dealt with female genital mutilation. Mm-hmm. And that law specifically said that you can't, you know, mutilate a a young girl's body for cultural or ritual purposes, even with the consent of the minor, the parent, or the doctor. So for four years, we've said, you can't do this for cultural purposes. Um, This is improper. Wait until someone's 18. Then in just four years now, we believe that you can cut off the breasts of young girls for essentially cultural purposes, for the idea of gender identity issues. And uh, I I say that that that's not what physicians should be doing here in the state of Ohio. They've tried, the, the governor tried to say that these surgeries aren't occurring at our hospitals, but during our committee process, which the governor didn't participate in, he can just hear from people that are interested. But we, you know, had the opportunity to question these witnesses, and they finally admitted that the hospitals may not provide these surgeries, but they do give them referrals out to providers that do provide those surgeries. And there's been doctors that have openly stated they do double mastectomies on girls age 16 here in the state of Ohio. But the surgeries weren't even the main concern, although that shouldn't happen at all. It's these chemicals that are going to permanently sterilize these children that we've heard hospitals prescribing these chemicals to children as young as nine years old. Puberty right. blockers. That, that is irreprehensible that you are making a decision for a nine-year-old, a nine-year-old, that will make it where that child will never have the opportunity to have children in the future or live a normal life. Allow that child to become the age of 18 and make that decision for themselves when they become an adult. We're talking with uh, State Representative Josh Williams, Ohio 41. A little earlier this morning, I spoke with State Representative Gross, and I also spoke with uh, Civil Rights Commissioner Peter Kersenau about this. You know, we have rules in place where the government is allowed to substitute its judgment for that of parents. Um, it is it is extreme, but it's there for a reason, and that is when parents are abusive. We have child protective services agencies to make sure that children who are being neglected and not fed are taken away from parents who are doing those terrible things, or who are being beaten routinely, uh, not for disciplinary purposes, but for sadistic purposes and so forth, not being educated, allowed to go to school, etc., 
uh, you know, we have child protective services because guess what? Parents don't always do the right thing. And that is exactly, is it not Representative Williams, what has to happen here? If a parent wants to sterilize a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old by putting them on these drugs because the nine-year-old or ten-year-old says that's what they want to do in their preformative brains and preformative minds, that's exactly when the government needs to be there. Yeah, I believe it, it's it's a, a simple analysis of is this abuse, and he answers yes. One, if my child thought he was Superman, I'm not going to give him a cape and say jump off a building, right? Uh, it's a child. They, I, we, we for decades understood that child children's brains are underdeveloped. They can't make these life altering decisions, and parents are supposed to step in and prevent them from making those types of decisions. And when the parent refuses to step in, it's a form of neglect. It's a form of abuse. And the government has an obligation to step in. Essentially, what we're seeing is a lot of the families that are having these children, we had one come and testify in the committee saying that they're, they're non-binary, they're, they're gender fluid, and they have two transgender children. Statistically speaking, that's impossible. <laughs> um, but it just so happens that in that woke home, that type of uh, social engineering is occurring, and those children are being transitioned. And one of the things that's important that people are missing is the governor concentrated on saying that this is a protection of parental rights to decide what's best for their children. Mm-hmm. There's a portion of that bill that Representative Gary Click made sure was going to remain in that bill, and that was that in-custody dispute. It should not be a determination of whether or not a parent will affirm a child's gender identity for purposes of custody or visitation. We've started to see our juvenile and domestic relations courts deny parents their custodial rights over a child merely because they won't consent to a child transitioning. This was a, a section that specifically enshrined in the law that as a parent, you have a right to be involved in that decision. And the governor, by vetoing this, stripped away those parental rights. He's telling parents, no, if your child wants to transition and you object to it, we will remove your parental rights. We will give uh, visitation and custody over to the parent who's going to affirm that child's identity. And we've seen cases across the United States where both parents, mom and dad, had their custody taken away and custody transferred to the grandparents who would transition a young girl. Yeah, well, so in uh, I think in Washington State, and, and maybe Oregon and California too, but it's all the way up and down that left coast there, but I know for sure in Washington State, they passed a bill that basically says if your child runs away from your home because you won't agree to transition them, the state will not tell you where that child is. You can't even find that kid. That kid goes into state custody, into a state foster home, or a situation where, where the parents don't even get to know what happened to their kid or where they went. That's how, that's how crazy this is, and I'm concerned that that kind of thing is going to spread to places like Ohio if we don't override this veto. So, Representative Josh Williams, I know you are committed to doing that. Uh, I asked Representative Gross whether or not she thinks Jason Stevens, the Speaker, will call that vote. Um, She said she doesn't talk to the members of the uh, Blue 22, so she doesn't know. Do you know if we're going to get that done as soon as you guys return next week? I know uh, we've had um, leadership reach out to see if members are going to be in town on the 10th. It was listed as an if-needed session um, about whether or not we had enough members that were going to be in town to be able to do um, the override on the 10th, or were we going to wait for the 24th? I am imploring all of my colleagues to be there on the 10th, because 
under the direction of the Senate and the governor's office, there was a poison pill that they tried to drop into this bill and an and, and effort to compromise. Uh, Representative Click included it, which is a grandfather clause that says once this becomes law, right, any child that's already on puberty blockers are now grandfathered in. So we've already seen a push by the hospitals and the clinics to go out and recruit these kids who were even considering whether or not in the future to transition, telling them you need to get a prescription now, even if you don't take the medication, so your grandfather and in the future if you want to decide to take it. So giving them an extra 14 days is just going to give them new clients to go and solicit to. That's huge. That's a, that, I did not know about that poison pill. That's very important, and I'm glad to hear you say that. Now, I want to ask you this. Going When I say I'm glad to hear is that uh, I'm glad to hear you are urging everybody to get back there in time to do this on the 10th. Um, so, Representative Williams, let's, let's suppose we get it done. An override uh, happens, in, and I think the Senate has indicated they will absolutely vote to override if the House does it first. So let's suppose it gets done. It's now law. The SAFE Act is law. As an attorney, you probably can answer this question better than many representatives. How does the SAFE Act stack up then, constitutionally, against the Issue 1 law that was just passed in November on reproductive rights being the sole decision of an individual? Which, of course, we all know why they did it that way. Uh, it, it says individual, not adult, so that kids can do this without parental consent. Um, these two things seem to be in direct contravention of one another. What happens legally? So what's going to happen is there's going to be a series of court cases to determine what's the definition of every single word that's in this amendment, even the word individual. What is going to be classified as reproductive uh, decision is another set of words that are going to be defined. Uh, one of the best things we have is a conservative Supreme Court, um, God willing that they remain after the next election cycle, um, to make those determinations. But let's be clear, myself and my colleagues, we're attempting to spread the word about issue one throughout the entire election cycle, and we're caught bigots and caught liars that this wasn't going to apply to uh, gender transitioning surgeries and blah, blah, blah. The Democrats, as soon as issue one was enacted, came out with their reproductive health bill. And if you look in that bill, they specifically outlined that part of reproductive health is gender-affirming care, including gender-affirming surgery. So they put it now in a piece of legislation where they said all they were doing was enshrining in the statute issue one. They outlined it clearly that issue one applies to gender transitioning surgery. So if you interpret that the way they want you to, a minor child will have the right to make reproductive decisions on their own without parental consent. And that's that, that's fine and dandy. What we are doing is we're going after the medical providers who are trying to make this happen, right? They have licenses to practice here in the state of Ohio that is governed by the legislature, and we will decide how we move forward on penalizing individuals who want to allow children to to make these life-altering decisions, especially our, our public hospitals who are simply trying to create customers out of children, lifelong customers out of our children. 
That is exactly what they're doing. Uh, and, uh, and, and I cannot help but wonder, again, these children's hospitals who, of course, make, I can't even imagine how much more they're going to make if, if indeed this veto stands, but how much more money they're going to make creating these lifelong customers, performing these procedures. The pharmaceutical companies get rich because they're going to have to continue to take these, you know, these hormones and, and drugs, uh, even after their surgeries for the rest of their lives. And I wonder how much their influence has over a man like Mike DeWine. I know only $40,000. Um, was was what they were able to total up in terms of the hospital donations to DeWine's campaign. And his campaign, of course, cost millions. But but nonetheless, it is indicative of the fact that uh, they can have sway over not just the executive, but other legislative, uh, legislative members as well, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, money always has its own uh, persuasive uh, pursuit here in politics. Um, luckily, myself and a lot of my colleagues that I, I, I really do respect, we're not influenced by that. If you want to donate to my campaign, that's fine, but you never come into my office thinking you're going to get influenced because you donated any amount of money to my campaign. I'm guided by morals and, and the mission that I'm on. But I, I absolutely believe that money can play an issue here, and, and it, it absolutely has when it comes to the hospitals. I mean, look no further than Biden's um, um, admiral, uh, the undersecretary, um, who is transgender themselves, uh, when she was or he uh, was in Pennsylvania, uh, stated openly, right, that the return on investment in opening gender clinics and hospitals would pay for themselves within five years because they are going to not only solicit children uh, to get on these type of policies, even if they didn't take drugs or surgery, that if you solicited these children young enough, and they underwent therapy and gender-affirming care uh, That at the age of 18, then they would transition. So essentially, they were arguing that the return on investment in recruiting these children, convincing them that they're transgender, will pay off in the long run because you will create lifelong customers that wow. now need to be on hormone supplements, surgical interventions, and, and more uh, for the remainder of their life in order to maintain this facade. Last question for you, Representative Josh Williams, Ohio 41, and thank, that's great information, and thank you for that. Um, Representative Gross had identified a couple of people that she's concerned about as Governor DeWine looks to maybe peel off some of the yes votes uh, to pass the SAFE Act and to, to stop the override. Is there anybody you're concerned about, and is there anybody you want to direct Ohio uh, concerned Ohio voters to in terms of contacting fellow members of the House in order to make sure this gets done? I don't want to call out any of my members by name, but I, I anticipate Northwest Ohio being represented with yes votes. And if not, there's going to be some tough primaries here in Northwest Ohio. Okay. That's a fair way to say that. I, I guess I'll just go on to tell everybody within the sound of my voice, because we've got people listening all over the state by way of our uh, website and so forth. So I want every Ohio voter that cares about kids and wants to stop uh, adults from letting kids make decisions that will ruin their lives in their preformative brains and at this time where they're so vulnerable, contact every representative. Even if you're confident in their yes vote, make sure that they show up on the 10th to get this done, to get this override done. Make sure every Ohio senator knows as well. We expect them to override ride this and do uh, the will of the people, which is to protect our children. Representative Josh Williams, thank you for coming on. Terrific uh, articulation of the points that needed to be made here. We appreciate that very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.